Welcome to the Midweek Social on All Villa No Filler. This week's guest is Jack Grimsey. Jack Grimsey runs a popular soccer-themed YouTube and TikTok channel, and he's also a big Aston Villa fan. So, Jack, it's great to have you on the All Villa No Filler podcast. Thanks, Frankie. I'm excited to join you. been listening to the show for a while and excited that it's my first opportunity to speak to you face-to-face. Awesome. That's, that's great to hear. Um, well, so I guess what my first question is, you know, I've, I've, seen, I've seen through your videos how you became an Aston Villa fan. But for those who maybe don't know, you know, you're from the US. Um, so how did you end up supporting a team from Birmingham in the UK? How did you end up supporting Aston Villa? Yeah, you could say luckily. Some people say unluckily, I think. <laughs> but I I don't know. It's been amazing. I've been taken in by Villa fans all over the globe. They're so happy to say welcome to the Villa family. And it's it's interesting. It started, like you said, you can, you can see those videos and probably get a, a shortened synopsis of it. But um maybe it was like I guess almost 15 almost 15 years ago right and Villa had been pushing for Europe they'd been finishing sixth those those couple years before I'm talking like 2008 2009 and all this was unknown to me because I didn't follow the sport at all growing up I played soccer I think Mm. most kids did even even in America but I didn't understand the sport there were not really any cultural touch points for me um I didn't have any any family history or teams that had been passed down through generations but I kind of kind of started growing bored of American sports and the World Cup like I'd seen a little bits and pieces of the 2006 World Cup and Mm. the 2010 World Cup would come along and I'd say like why are people so into this sport like it it is interesting as a neutral but I I didn't get so much of it and one morning uh, I woke up early and flipped on the TV I think it was I think ESPN had the Premier League rights at the time and it was an early game. It was Aston Villa versus Everton. Didn't see the beginning of it, but the very end, Villa were winning. Then Julian Lescott had a very acrobatic kick to equalize, made it 2-2. And just moments later, Ashley Young bursts through, oh, scores, wow. makes it 3-2. And yeah. from there, it was history. Started following Villa, and a lot of my friends were playing FIFA. Um, so I started playing with Villa and kind of from there on, it, those things kind of parallel path, watching the game, playing FIFA to try to kind of understand the the global football landscape and you know I was like I'm I'm picking this team they have great colors it's a unique <laughs> name I never heard of any other teams that were that were villas there were many Uniteds or yeah or what have you but um yeah I was like I'm I'm sticking with it what a game to see that's what I think that might be the most ballistic I've ever gone at a goal as well when Ashley Young scored that against Everton it was just off the scale really so and it's so rare to see anything like that in football, let alone with your own club. Um, so that that's that's amazing. And you've been over to Villa Park a few times. Yeah, I've been been over twice. Um, I guess nine years apart. I was there last February for the Leeds match. It was a 3-3 draw. And right. um, about, yeah, I think nine years before that, I was, I was studying in Berlin and made a trip over to see Villa play West Ham. So we we won two one um Benteke penalty and in mm. Zogby a free kick one of Charles and Zogby's rare <laughs> rare rare goals for us so uh, I mean, and then yeah Sinos Sinos played twice in the states so oh oh yeah yeah uh, on the trips over there um so so you started supporting Villa at quite a uh, a point probably where um things have not been going so well for us in the last decade 
Um, though we've had like one or two very memorable seasons, you know, the promotion season was really good. So um, how has that experience been of supporting Villa, you know, considering that it has been quite tough, to be honest. And I suppose it was, you know, when you're not from the local area, it's probably more tempted to support a Man United or an Arsenal. So how was it you know, like following the Villa? Yeah, I, I think it was it was definitely tumultuous, but I think it was also a hardening experience like that that same year that I went over to Villa Park for the first time. We were knocked out of the League Cup by Bradford City. And I was like, I don't even know how this is possible because <laughs> it wasn't just a one-off. Like, you can lose to Stevenage in a one-off, but it was yeah. over two legs. It was in the semifinal. And um, sure, that's like the magic of the Cup. But mm. uh, I don't know if I if I fully grasped what the magic of the Cup meant um, at that time. I guess later on that year, Wigan did beat Man City in the FA Cup final uh, and ended up getting relegated. So um, I knew that like you, you could get relegated. I didn't think it was a huge danger for Villa, even though we had some disastrous seasons and it's, it's kind of ironic. Like I think that one of the seasons that we bought some of the best players in the market was that year that we ended up going down. Like if you look at Jordan Vertu, he ended up being in France's world cup squad that just reached the final. Mm-hmm. And Idrissa Gunagay had, has had a long, successful career. Uh, Jordan Amavi is not a bad player. But then then there were some definitely some duds that we purchased. <laughs> and, you know, that's I think that's just some of the some of the excitement, like, right, like having traditionally followed American sports, anyone who gets into the NFL or into the NBA, for the most part, is going to be a pretty certain commodity. But yeah. just with the, the breadth of all of the leagues around the world, it's it's really difficult to know how someone's going to adjust and you get some gems like Benteke and then you get some some players that are, are kind of the opposite <laughs> yeah well I mean so you've, you've sort of gone through all of that you've seen us you know uh a sort of a decline relegation then the kind of the amazing comeback to be honest that, um, that amazing promotion season the drama of staying up on the last day of the season against West Ham um and we, we come all the way through to now under Unai Emery. Uh, you know, um, he's been in charge for three months now. Uh, how do you feel about him? And how do you feel about where Villa are right now? Yeah, I honestly, I feel fantastic about Unai Emery. We had those seasons where, like you said, we we won 10 games in a row. It was the longest winning run. Um, managed to win the playoff final after the heartbreak of the year before stay up and we had a villa fan as a coach and a Mm. villa fan as a captain and i think that that really was such a sensational and and special time to be a villa fan i I look back and it's kind of sad that that jack and dean aren't on the stadium anymore but yeah you know it, it is what it is um and unai emery i think he he really is taking us to the next level after deacon smith so we had Dean, we were, we were kind of going up, he starts going down, Gerard, he gets the new manager bounce, but ultimately he was not the guy. And now I think Unai is taking us back on that path. You can see, um, not that Gerard or, or Dean Smith weren't committed, but you can see the footballing identity that he's instilling in the players. You can see what he wants to do. You can see he's very disciplined mm-hmm. and... <laughs> I don't know if it's on your, your run of show, but it's kind of funny that he was even lashing out at Emmy Martinez for going up for that corner <laughs> kick against Arsenal. Um, mm. He just see, he seems to be very, I don't know if a control freak is the right word, but very control oriented. And yeah. I think 
with with his methods if you give him time and um and if we we give him some of those pieces that he needs to succeed obviously the club's very well funded so mm. there's no reason to believe he he won't be able to operate in the market as pretty much as as he wishes um i think in in time he'll have us competing where we want to be because mm. he certainly has like an aura about him doesn't he that i think uh aston villa managers have not really had by and large for a long time and i've always felt that what separates sometimes the top clubs like your man united and your liverpools is that at some point they just got that manager who had the aura and was able to lift them to another level which aston villa kind of feel like we've had it you know at times but a long time ago and we just haven't really had but you know with uno emery coming in now somebody who's won four europa leagues it really does feel like we finally have somebody who can be the man who puts in the building blocks to ensure Villa can push for Europe. Um, do, do you think Villa, I mean, do you think Villa can get towards Europe this season or is it a bit too early? Uh, you know, it, it might be a bit too early. I think this season, and and sadly, it's like last season too, anytime you fire the manager in the middle of the season, you, you're kind of going to write off the season, right? Like right, yeah. Emery didn't get a whole preseason. We were saying it last year, Gerard didn't get a whole preseason. He did this year, but... Um, <laughs> Having the, the World Cup break in the middle definitely helped for for Emery and with the players who were still back. I think it accelerated his trajectory, but really expecting, and and I'll caveat this with, we should have been further along in the Cup, and maybe the Cup is a route into Europe that, um, that people overlook at first. Mm. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think, like, finishing finishing higher than seventh is going to be very very difficult even finishing yeah. seventh is going to be tricky but as 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 we've seen there are some swings we'll win a few games in a row now we've we've lost a few in a row hmm. i think so, pro- probably to answer your question frankie a little a little too early yeah i think uh, considering villa haven't been in the top half of the premier league for a long time now i mean over a decade i think uh it's uh I think even just finishing top 10 this season would feel like a real step forward um, for Villa. Um, but, you know, uh, it's it's all started very brightly under Emery, but we have just had three losses in a row. I think it's important probably to note that two of those were against Manchester City and Arsenal, who are the two teams competing for the title, but one was also Leicester. And we have conceded quite a few goals in those games. Um, what do you think about those three losses? I think at, at face value, if you're just looking at the fixture list, they don't look pretty. But if you watch the games and if, you, if you've watched all the, the matches this year, you'll start to learn a little bit more. Because we were we were beating teams like when we even when we beat Brighton right before the World Cup, mm-hmm. um, when we beat Leeds and definitely when we beat Southampton, mm-hmm. uh, like against Southampton, we were not the better team. We just found a way to win. I think that says a lot about the manager um, because for, for once it seems like we can not be the the better side and still come away with the points where um, we definitely made some, some big mistakes, I think, especially against Leicester and especially against Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Um, Man City at, at that, Dihad's always going to be very difficult. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I think like the Leicester, Leicester match was winnable for sure, and Arsenal there was there was definitely a point that could have been held on to. Um, so I think those those losses look a little worse than they actually were. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, like, what do you think of Villa's team at the moment? I mean, who kind of stands out to you? Yeah, it's, I think for the, for Emery to get us back into contention for Europe, he's got to find a way to make the most out of the pieces he has, not just buying new players. And mm. it seems like since Danny Ings has left, Ollie Watkins has been liberated. He's yeah able to play the game that he, he wants to play um, a little more effectively. I think he made a good partnership with Ings, but he's looked great ever since the sale. Um, mm. You know, I think um, like Coutinho has even looked, looked good against yeah. Arsenal. He looked good um, against City. He looked all right. I don't think he's, part of maybe the five-year plan. I think he's maybe part of the three-year plan. But yeah. players who have looked amazing have been Bubakar Kamara, aside from Leicester, um, mm-hmm. and Douglas Luiz. I think in midfield, they're, they've made a great partnership. Um, I think Moreno's, Moreno's been exciting. I'm not too sure about Cash, just because yeah, Ashley yeah. Young has has kind of replaced him in some ways, I think with Emery's system, mm-hmm. he prefers a right back that stays further back and lets the left back bomb forward. So it's interesting to see how that's going to go along. But um, yeah, I mean, I think I think like Watkins and Kamara um, have have been a couple of standouts lately. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, Ollie Watkins, four goals in four games. Uh, I think it's five since the World Cup break, two assists as well. Um, it, it, he's he's just sort of caught on fire a little bit, really. And um, if that sort of form continues, you, you never know. He might be pushing for a place in the England team. Um, and it's great to see because at, at certain points as well, as you say, you know, he sort of feels like he's been liberated with Danny Ings leaving. It, it, it was just a year of Ings being there where it was quite confusing as to, well, who... You know, manager's thinking, who do I do? I put the two of them together. Do I pick one over the other? And I don't know. It just seems to be a bit of an unsettling presence, really. But um, you know, uh, where do you think kind of, you know, we talk about like transfers. We look at the transfer window and brought in Alex Moreno and Jon Duran as well from uh, the MLS. Um, where where do you think Villa like need to improve uh, as a squad? You know, mainly looking ahead to this summer and who we might bring in. Yeah, I mean, I think I think like strategically, the signing of Jan Duran is is fantastic. Like, yeah, he he was expensive, mm-hmm. um, but that's going to be the the prem tax to some extent. But buying these players that have high potential, that if we do end up having to sell them someday, they're going to earn us a lot of money, and being able to reinvest that either in a similar player or in the academy, like Chuck Wameka, we bought him for for pennies really and Mm. he ended up earning the club meaningful millions even though he didn't contribute on the pitch too much um so i think i think strategically is being able to bolster our young talent but also bringing in players like like kamara on a free transfer operating operating wisely there um I think this summer we're gonna we're definitely gonna look to bring in a wide player and maybe another forward because it seems like Emery does like this this four four two with two pretty much two recognized strikers up top or at least that flexibility of someone like a Leon Bailey playing up top. Um, but we don't really have 
too many wide players in the squad otherwise. So I, I expect that to happen. And I kind of expect another center back signing. Yeah. Right. Even, even if Diego Carlos comes on lights up the world with 10 clean sheets in our last 10 games of the season, if, if I'm being optimistic. Mm. And, and, you know, Christian Perslow said in an interview that he expected it to be an extremely busy summer at Villa. Um, so I think there will be quite a lot of turnaround and maybe some players that we've all grown used to seeing a Villa and we all really like, maybe even moving on. I mean, uh, one of the, you know, there was some talk over the weekend with Emmy Martinez and Emery. You know, Emery wasn't too happy with him coming forward for the corner at the end by the sounds of it. I mean, what, what did you uh, make of that, really? Yeah, I mean, I think like, I think you have a lot more to gain than you do have to lose because you're already down three, two. Mm. And to me, four, two is still a loss. Yeah. Um, to Emery, it's, it's probably frustrating because he didn't want to even lose anyway. So then when people who don't watch the game, look at it and see four to two, mm-hmm. um, not that Emery really, really cares about public perception maybe, but I don't know. He's fight. He's fighting for every goal. So I like that from a manager. He's he's trying to do the best he can. Um, I don't mind it from Emmy Martinez. Like like I said, I think you have more to to gain than to lose. But I think people are reading into it a little too much. I think even after Martinez's antics at the World Cup, and Emery said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to him about this." People were saying, "Oh, Emmy Martinez is gone." Mm. Um, he's also said. And I don't know the source of this, that the quote kind of was floating around, but I never, I don't think I really saw the source of that. He feels like he's ready to play at the Champions League level, which mm. fair enough. Um, but I think Martinez recognizes that Villa has been a huge platform for his career and he is under contract until 2027. So there's no immediate need to sell. Yeah. But I think if we're not finishing top 10 or pushing for Europe maybe by the end of next year, then yeah, your, your career short as a player, you have every right to want to move on. If you think you can do it at that level. Yeah. I mean, I, I love Emmy Martinez just for, he's just one of these, you know, world, a world cup final winning goalkeeper who played such a big role in it. It seems very un Aston Villa, doesn't it? To see a player of such prominence in such a big game like that. Um, particularly with some of the antics. I, I know some people don't like it or that, but I actually, I kind of enjoy it a little bit. I think as a as a just as a football fan, it's quite funny to watch sometimes. Um, it, it is, it is, and then I think everyone was he's he's definitely in the spotlight, and then he's I don't know he's taunting Mbappe, and then he <laughs> gets hit in the head off his own post, and it goes in against <laughs> his former club. So there, it's just one of those ironies. You can't be too upset yeah. at the situation, um, but yeah, I I I think he's quite a character. Yeah, it's uh, I like him. I really like him, to be honest. And, uh, you know, Tyro Mings as well. Uh, he's also just got a new contract. Uh, How do you feel about that? I'm really happy about that. I love Mings. I think even yeah. if he's not the captain, he's a fantastic leader. We've seen his we've seen Villa's record when Mings doesn't play. It's like one win in 12 since we've signed him. And I think off the pitch, he's he represents like everything that the club should represent. He's obviously had... Uh, a difficult a difficult upbringing and knows what it's like to be in a, a very tough situation being homeless and uh, I think like the the courage and determination he showed to overcome that and get to where he is is he's a great role model for for people in the community mm. he's, he's just got a, he's, he's an individual who just emanates class isn't he particularly off the pitch and then on the pitch as well you know 
I think he's almost underrated at times. I think we, he makes the he makes mistakes which can be quite high profile every now and again, but certainly not to the level you know not as often as I think a lot of fans outside of Villa probably think he does. Um, he's actually I think I he's, think he's much... cut a little bit of it out this year too. I think yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe some was like lackadaisical in the past or. Um... A clearance that just should go into touch, but mm. remains on on the pitch, like we saw at the weekend. That was a an unfortunate header that led to Arsenal's first goal. But um, he's he'll have a goal and clearance as well, or it's, I don't know. It's just anything that ends up in the back of the net is going to be very memorable when the three chances that could have ended in a goal um, don't because he blocked them or something. Yeah. And Villa always just look better, well, generally always look better when he's on the field as well. You know, I think we've played 12 games without him since we came back to the Premier League and won one, uh, lost the vast majority of them. Uh, and he just has a certain leadership quality, I think, on the pitch that when he's not there, you really notice it's not there. Um, yeah, he's very he's very vocal. I think we can we can all see that the the back line and even the midfield with those two blacks, two banks of four are just a little more organised. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, sort of thinking of where Villa are right now with the ownership and, uh, you know, uh, people like Tom Hanks turning up to watch us at the weekend. and His first uh, game. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, what, what a dramatic game. He got the, he got the, uh, the full in-life experience of Villa losing in the last minute. Uh, the drama of it. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, uh, you know, with, with stuff like that, and then um, you know, the new stand coming up, and Unai Emery in charge. You know, how do you how do you feel about where Villa are just generally at the moment? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's in a pretty good position. I think that sometimes as fans we get impatient, but just looking at where where we've came from five years ago when we bought everyone that that we could and we still couldn't get out of the championship because the gate in front of our house was locked and we couldn't make it to training mm. <laughs> <laughs> to now with a, a world-class manager who's won like you said numerous numerous cup comp competitions um i think there's like you said a new stand coming the the stadium's going to be expanded to more than fifty thousand fans um mm. the club's prioritizing um training centers in the local area mm. and expand like expanding global scouting networks expanding uh with a partnership with vittoria if that's ratified um to start building some sort of multi-club network across the globe i think the the owners have very ambitious and very grand plans and mm -hmm. yeah we'll we'll have some ups and downs week in week out but overall i think there's there's nothing to suggest the club isn't going on the right trajectory yeah, uh, it certainly feels like that, particularly after the last kind of 15 years of sort of uh, decline and drama and, uh, you know, not being able to pay our tax bill in the year 2017. You know, it's uh, quite a turnaround really is where we are now because uh, honestly, five or six years ago, I was thinking, am I even going to have a football club to support anymore? So it's very easy to kind of forget about that, isn't it? Um, but, you know, like, uh, you know, you're, you're based in the US, uh I know there's a big. I've spoken to a fair few Villa fans over in the US um, and in North America, generally Canada as well. And uh, you know, like how um, how popular are Villa? Do you think over there? Uh, uh, do, do you sense like any growth at all? And do you meet many Villa fans over in the US? 
Um, yeah, I would say I, I meet like a fair few fans, but I'm not sure if they're they're all from the US. I just met someone the other week um who was over from from Brum and they were watching at um at our local that's called the football factory. They have a, they have like fans of um many clubs there. I think like the most popular ones are Chelsea, Milan, and PSG. So right. um maybe about about who you'd expect and um I don't know. I would say Villa are of European clubs, maybe one of the 40 most popular okay in in the US. Mm-hmm. Um I think like a lot of a lot of South American and a lot of Mexican clubs are are more popular. And then there's right. there's obviously like the big boys from England, Spain, uh Italy, Germany, mm-hmm. and you know, whoever else like um Portugal and Turkey, their big teams would be very well supported. But um it always surprises me, you know, every year there's an annual meetup for North American Villa fans. Last yeah. year was in Toronto. They have a really they have a really great group in Toronto. Um and there are a lot of a lot of really strong clubs around the country. So maybe it's just the fact that I don't see as as many of them in New York, but mm-hmm. um I think there there has been a lot of growth among American Villa fans. Yeah, uh yeah, I've I met quite a fair few of them and interviewed them a fair bit on this podcast and as well you know i i do see like the numbers or downloads we get from the from us and canada is absolutely just mind-boggling really i I didn't quite know there were so many villa fans out there so i just want to say hello to all of everybody out there who's listening to this and watching it on youtube as well and uh yeah it's just awesome to meet villa fans from kind of all over the world really um who all share such love for this great football club um but you know Jack, as well, you know you're uh, you, you know you have a very popular YouTube channel and TikTok as well. So, uh, can you just sort of explain to us uh, what you do on these channels and uh, where we can find them? Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Frankie. Um, you can find all of my channels at Jack Grimsey on either Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, or YouTube, as you mentioned. And you know, I I like to kind of share my fan experience as a Villa fan. I think that's that's not necessarily the primary goal of the channels. Um, I did have a podcast before, and I used to write for seventy five hundred to hold um, back in the day. So I know I I have a lot of followers. I think particularly on Twitter that um, that are Villa fans, and and like you said, people introduce themselves all the time. They say I'm I'm an American Villa fan. Like thanks for. Uh, thanks for talking about Villa or thanks for like having something for us to talk about. And I think that's amazing. Um, so I'd say probably somewhere between like 30 to 40% of my content is, is Villa related. Um, I've also, I think a little bit over COVID accelerated at my, my shirt collection. So I like talking about football kits and showing off different kits. So that, that's a good portion of it. And then, I don't know, I'm just like a huge football fan. So like, whatever's happening in the news i want to talk about it so a little bit of like champions league coverage or yesterday a lot of people were talking about the like newcastle's backup goalkeeper being cup tied in that situation Mm -hmm. so i think that's just one of those weird intricacies of of football that's that's fun for me to talk about yeah, um, I mean, I, I did see the kits one you were you were doing, and uh, I think Venezia, uh, that the Italian, yeah, yeah, that, 
that was a hard one to get a hold of. And I, I ordered a size that was too small. I had to ship it back to Italy and it got stuck at customs for a month and never made it. They shipped it back to me. He said, they, you know, just just keep it and we'll send you another one. All right. Okay. So, all right. Uh, do, you, do you have a particular favorite Villa one from over the years at all? Or? Mm, yeah, probably. Well, the first, the first Villa kit I got was the 2009-10 away with Young on the back. um and that one had the the checkerboard paneling both on the home and away that the checkerboard um paneling i guess along the side i used to have the home with egbonlahor as well but Hmm. it deteriorated and i recycled it (laughs) but i still have that that young kid i would say that's that's one of my favorites um i was just looking at some the other day because i have a it's like a sweater that i wear a lot from 2013 when we had macron and yeah. they made really good kits because I still have like the green one, the Lambert's limes, and mm-hmm. it's in good condition. I did not always treat my kits very well, so I'm surprised right. that that one's still around. Um, yeah, um, hmm. I think the one the one I love the most though is from the promotion season, the Luke Roper. Yeah. Like, it's hard to say anything but that. Yeah, it's very I've got to get it repaired though. Like the the front sponsor's deteriorating. <laughs> so <laughs> I've got to do something for that. I haven't I haven't worn it in months. Yeah, no, that that was an amazing kit. All all of that. I kind of kind of wish we still had that kit to be honest. Um, yeah, I wish we I wish we'd kept kept Luke Roper in yeah. some capacity. Yeah, completely. It was it was just, I don't know, just a very unique look. I don't know, it just looked really really nice. Um, yeah, it was and- a great design, and it felt amazing too like it it was the best of both worlds for me yeah uh and also it happened we wore it during such a memorable season you know like it just adds to the the the, the beauty of it i guess um but jack it's been absolutely brilliant to have you on um thank you very much for for you know promoting villa as well and you know sh- uh, showing your support for villa it's been just brilliant to chat to you yeah thanks so much frankie i know we had this on the calendar for a while so appreciate you getting me on the show and would love to be back sometime and uh, as you said just love chatting about villa that was the midweek social on all villa no filler with our guest this week jack grimsey